The FCPA Compliance Report is the longest-running podcast in compliance, engaging a wide variety of compliance-related guests and topics. Each week, Tom Fox brings you the top commentators and information which will inform your compliance program going forward. Join us again for the top podcast in compliance, hosted by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part series on the Airbus International Anti-Corruption Enforcement Action. Over the next five episodes, we're going to take a look at the Airbus Enforcement Action from a variety of perspectives. Jay Rosen is going to open up the five-part series and talk to us about the FCPA perspective and set the background. We then jump across the pond to Jonathan Armstrong to take a look at the UK SFO BPA around Airbus. Mike Volkoff considers trade sanctions and the ITAR angle. Cecilia Luz-Genkel talks to us about the French enforcement perspective and the perspective of the French compliance practitioner. And I'm going to end this week by some final reflections on what the Airbus case means for the compliance professional and for international anti-corruption investigations and enforcement going forward. I know you'll enjoy this series. Jay Rosen, could you set the stage in this massive international anti-corruption enforcement action for us? Happy to, Tom. So uh, as Tom said, I'm going to lay out the FCPA component of this matter and what usually uh, rings up on everybody's uh, screen is the numbers. So Airbus paid $4 billion, which is 3.6 billion euros, to settle their global bribery and trade charges with France, the United Kingdom, and the United States after an eight-year investigation, which was initially triggered by a British whistleblower. In the United States, Air Force, excuse me, Airbus entered into a deferred prosecution agreement with the DOJ and paid a total of $582 million to settle FCPA and International Traffic and Arms Regulation, ITAR, conspiracy charges. Airbus paid $294.5 million to settle FCPA charges and $232.7 million to settle the ITAR charges. Airbus also forfeited to the Department of Justice a $55 million bond and a civil forfeiture action. The DOJ said the bond was traceable to the proceeds of the ITAR-related conduct. In terms of the deferred prosecution agreement, the DOJ imposed a criminal penalty of $2.0 billion for FCP-related offenses. The DOJ also kindly agreed to credit the amounts that was paid to French prosecutor PNF of up to $1.8 billion. The DOJ's $2.09 billion penalty makes this the largest FCPA enforcement action ever, topping Petrobras's paltry $1.78 billion settlement in 2018, which formally topped the list of the biggest FCPA enforcement actions, according to the FCPBA blog. The DOJ filed a criminal information in federal court in Washington, D.C., detailing the bribery and trade-related charges, the FCPA-related violations that stem from a plan to bribe Chinese and other foreign officials to sell aircraft. 
As part of the U.S. resolution, Airbus also agreed Friday, we uh, agreed to a $10 million settlement with the U.S. State Department to, dissolve, to resolve violations of the Arms Export Control Act, AECA, and ITAR. The State Department said Airbus will be allowed to spend half of the settlement, $5 million, for remedial compliance measures. ITAR includes requirements for exporters to disclose to the State Department payments to its third-party intermediaries for certain overseas sales. In the obligatory corporate remarks, Airbus Chairman Dennis Ronk said in a statement, the settlements we have reached turned the pain on unacceptable business practices from the past. The strengthening of Airbus's compliance program is designed to ensure that such misconduct cannot happen again. Sound familiar? He said that Airbus's decision to voluntarily report and cooperate with authorities was the right one. So now we've taken a look at the numbers. Let's take a look at the Department of Justice and the U.S. perspective. Deferred prosecution agreements have been a feature of the U.S. criminal justice system for longer than they have in France and the United Kingdom. While they must be approved by the court, U.S. judges have traditionally played less of an active role in scrutinizing them than their French and British counterparts. The DPA with the Department of Justice focused solely on a bribery scheme in China. Indeed, the DOJ acknowledged the limited reach of its jurisdiction over Airbus. However, despite covering only one jurisdiction and recognizing the stronger claim of the French and UK authorities, the Department of Justice still levied a significant penalty against Airbus. Under the DPA, the total penalty for the alleged misconduct and breach of the FCPA would have nearly been $2.1 billion. And as I just mentioned, they were able to credit this $1.8 billion for the payments made to French Parquet National Financier PNF. The DOJ also awarded Airbus with a 25% discount for full cooperation and remediation, significantly less than that provided by the French and English courts. Notably, the Department of Justice did not award voluntary disclosure credit to Airbus since it disclosed the conduct after the corruption-related investigation uh, by the SFO. The DOJ did note that Airbus did disclose the conduct to the fraud section within a reasonably prompt time of becoming aware of corruption-related conduct that might have a connection to the United States. The DOJ's position regarding voluntary disclosure provides companies with some insight into an issue that has been somewhat ambiguous in the DOJ's past guidance, but it also raises an interesting conundrum. The FCPA enforcement policy requires companies to provide information to the DOJ, quote, prior to an imminent threat or disclosure or government investigation, close parentheses. The DOJ guidance does not specify that an investigation of any corrupt conduct, including in a foreign country, for foreign conduct could foreclose a company from receiving voluntary disclosure credit in the U.S. Therefore, after Airbus, to preserve voluntary disclosure credit and the possibility of declination, companies will need to decide whether to disclose to U.S. authorities conduct with no U.S. ties in case such ties are later discovered in the course of an ongoing investigation. Compared with the DOJ's emphasis on timely disclosure, this may prove particularly challenging in practice. Another noteworthy aspect of the DOJ enforcement 
is that the State Department joined the DOJ in order to resolve alleged violations of the Arms Export Control Act and its implementing regulations, ITAR. Later on in this podcast, our colleague Mike Vokov will delve into the ITAR issue. These export controls came into play because Airbus provides defense articles and defense services, which are covered by ITAR regulations. Number one, prohibiting the payment of political contributions, fees and commissions and connections with ITAR covered products without reporting them. And two, failing to maintain proper records of the sales of these products. The involvement of the State Department in an enforcement action against a foreign corporation for corruption-related offenses is quite rare. But recently, there has been an increasingly overlap between the FCPA and economic sanctions regime. Indeed, a couple of years ago, back in 2019, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission brought an enforcement action against Quad Graphics for allegedly violating the FCPA economic sanctions and export control for engaging in transactions with Cuba. Further, some recent U.S. sanctions regimes have focused on targeting individuals allegedly involved in corrupt activities. So let's take a look at the takeaways for both the uh, compliance practitioner and for those who work within companies. The Airbus settlement has been widely recognized as one of the most important in the field of corporate crime in recent years. Here are a few takeaways. The role of the UK export finance in this case highlights that the government and quasi-government bodies who do business with corporations will be keeping a close eye on their anti-corruption measures. A corporation with insufficient or ineffective anti-corruption measures is likely to find it increasingly difficult to create and maintain such relationships. While the financial cost of breaching such settlements may be significant, the advantages to a corporate entity in doing so remain quite obvious. Similarly, settlements remain an attractive way of resolving investigations for authorities with limited resources that are under increasing pressure to deliver timely outcomes. No matter how serious the underlying conduct, a corporate entity may still avoid prosecution if the other factors that weigh in favor of a DPA are present. When to report and to whom to report still remain the key decisions that any corporate entity who has uncovered wrongdoing will be required to make. These decisions can have significant consequences on the outcome that may be achieved at a later date. Enforcement agencies and those approving DPAs remain keen on incentivizing timely self-reporting and meaningful cooperation. Recent outcomes suggest that this is likely to be a key factor as to whether a DPA is offered or approved. The implementation of remedial measures and cultural changes after wrongdoing has been discovered will also be an important factor in determining whether to offer or approve a DPA. Changes in personnel can be significant, but those responsible for making such decisions will be looking for much more than that. And finally, we should keep in mind the international nature of this settlement. Today, there is more global cooperation between investigation and prosecution agencies than ever before. In this case, such cooperation extended far beyond France to the United Kingdom and the U.S. to virtually every continent in which Airbus carried on business. Equally, authorities are getting far better at coordinating their efforts to reach simultaneous outcomes. 
Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you have enjoyed this first episode of our special five-part series on the Airbus International Anti-Corruption Enforcement Action. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow where Jonathan Armstrong talks to us about the UK perspective of this enforcement action. This special production of the FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, and we're proud to be a member of C-Suite Radio going forward. Please join us again tomorrow for our next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.